Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. Today is a guest episode, and I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Matthew Hughes, who is the king of video. In 2013, Matt started his video company that he ran for seven years, creating video and traveling the world with clients from one-man bands through to million-dollar companies. Fast forward to 2019, and he created the King of Video brand to help small business owners confidently create consistent video content that connects with their audience. In 2021, Matt turned his focus to YouTube and has the goal of getting 1,000 small businesses to 1,000 subscribers using YouTube as the primary platform to grow their business and make money by strategically creating video content. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on. Thanks so much. I'm really excited to talk about these interesting topics. Usually I'm talking about YouTube, so to do something like this uh, is really good. Really excited. Glad to hear it. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What yeah. is your money story? Okay, so uh, I don't know how you usually do this. But I could give you like the quick version and then maybe we can go into some details about it. Um, but my money story is I come from a, a working class uh, council estate background. Um, and so probably for the first 10 or 11 years, my mum was in a, a relatively stable relationship. Um, so I thought at the time. And money was kind of, it was a fairly stable environment. We didn't have loads of money. We didn't have no money. Um, as it turns out, my mum my was uh, beaten up a little bit by uh, a little bit. <laughs> so play it down there. She was beaten up by her husband at the time, his second husband. And uh, she left. She had an affair and, and left with somebody else who that later became the third husband. Um and when that happened, we started to move. There was like a period of probably about uh, three to five years where we moved house around 20 times. So so I think by the time I was 16, it, it worked out about 25, 30 times I'd moved house. Wow. Uh, but the majority of them were between 11 and 16. So we were constantly moving uh, from house to house, um, had no money. She was claiming uh, benefits at the time. She would spend the rent money she was getting on uh, fags or whatever it was that she was, you know, drinking all that kind of stuff at the time. And uh, so we wouldn't pay the rent. So we had debt collectors come around at that time. And and I remember um, one of my early memories is um, 
just the whole family outside because they wanted, wanted to kick us out of the house, um, not too far from where I live now, actually, uh, because my mum had not paid the rent. At least that's the impression I got at the time. Um, and then I kind of followed that through in my own life. My mum my moved out when I was 16. She left me and my brother in a house on her own. And the way she described, uh, the way, way I was taught was you could just get away with, you know, moving into a house getting electricity after six months leaving that house not paying any for any of that electricity and moving to another house and they would just chase you for it and nobody would ever really know or you could get a credit card spend all the money on the credit card and just not not pay it back and just keep moving house it was kind of like a it, it it feels like almost like um that's just how life is that's just how people like us live um and then when i got to about 20 somewhere between like 23 25 um, I went from a job where I was earning maybe 20 grand a year and moved to a job that was about 30 grand a year. And then from that job, I went from 30 grand to 120 grand a year, um, almost overnight. And suddenly I was able to pay all my bills on time. And then I realized that that story that I had before of spending the money and not paying it back, actually, when I wanted to get a house, I had to wait for six years until this, I had a CCJ, didn't know what a CCJ was really why what I got it for why I you know how to get rid of it or anything like that um but it meant I couldn't get a mortgage then for six years and we had to wait for a long time I had all this money um that I'd not had before and and then I couldn't get a house because of my previous lives um well the previous education I got got around money I, I guess is the is the main thing so and that the is the short version I think and I, the the money story, the financial literacy lessons your mum yeah. gave you were the antithesis of what most children need to learn. Yeah, How, yeah, totally. Exactly. How has that early lack of the right education, how yeah. has that impacted you beyond having to wait for the ability to apply for a mortgage? Well, the funny thing is, we so I met my wife when I was, um, well, we've been together 18 years now, almost 40, 22, <laughs> I was 22 years old, 21, 22 years old. And my wife was from a sa- the same sort of area as I was. We were both council estate kids, working class kids, um, but her parents had been together for the entire time, She as, as long as she can remember. They'd lived in one house as long as she could remember. And they'd always paid their bills on time. And so when she met me, it must have been like a baptism of fire because I was just like, let's do this. Let's dodge this. Let's not bother paying this. And she's like, hold on a minute, Matt. But this is not how we live. This is not how you should do things. And so I think actually that created a whole, well, I would probably say she had the most influence on me starting to learn what it was like to pay bills properly. but it was definitely difficult because in, in my mind that was just normal and that's how people lived. And so why was this person who I just met who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with telling me that I shouldn't do things like that. And I'm a born rebel, right? So I didn't want to listen to this. Who is this woman? Why is she telling me what to do? Um, but in fact, actually what she was doing was, was teaching me that this is how you should live. And this is the good lessons that she'd been uh, taught by her parents. And I suppose it, with regards to your mum, the how she was with money was how she had probably been taught to be with money. No, not at all. Not oh. at all. 
So her parents were, they lived in the same house for all their, their lives. They worked all their lives till my granddad died. Um, he was working till, you know, m- months before he um, he got cancer. But um, and my nan worked all that time as well. They both had great pensions. My mum went to a grammar school. I don't know what kind of grammar school, but it was a, a grammar school. So, so she had a good education, good parents. Somewhere along the way, this was just the way that she decided is how she was going to live. And I don't know if she made the, a conscious decision or if it was kind of just how she tried to live, having had three three boys with no money. You know, maybe maybe it was circumstance that have been a single parent. She just thought this was the the way to go about things. I guess I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Not really asked her, Leslie, to be honest. I've not spoke to her for 10 years, so I've not asked, yeah, asked no. her. And I can understand that, absolutely. So why do you think you fought back against what your your then partner, now wife, the way that she yeah. wanted the money side of the relationship to be what to, to be run? Why do you think you had that rebellious streak? Well, well, I know why, really. And, and this is through sort of personal development. I know that what you believe to be true is more powerful than anything else. And so when someone's challenging your beliefs, especially beliefs that you've been taught by your parents, why would you allow somebody to do that? Mm. That's that's how I previously thought. But as I got older and as I became more financially stable, I realized that actually you could challenge what your parents had done or said to you. And, and it wasn't true. And that journey, probably in the last 10 years of of really looking at everything I believe to be true and saying, is this true, what I believe? Or is there someone that's had some influence on this being true and were they a good influence? And I think when you kind of do that and you only you only get to that, I personally believe, you only get to that level of freedom to think like that when you're not under pressure with financial issues. Um, because when you're under financial issues, you can't see any of that stuff. Like it's just a nice thing that other people have. So I think getting a job where suddenly had an abundance of money and the freedom then to start looking at these things that allowed me then to to question what was going on and what what my previous education was and so uh, probably that helps then my relationship with my wife because at the start I was rebellious but eventually I came around to actually actually you're right maybe if we want to stay at this house for more than six months we should probably pay the bills because otherwise it's going to lead to the same uh same end result as it, it always does if you don't pay your bills and how long did it take you to change that mindset um i would say i, I would say pro- it probably wasn't 10 years but it was, it was probably three to five years and i think having children we had children amy was 21 i was 23 um my daughter's 16 now so i think having children made me think i can't bring children into this way of thinking i mean we still struggled the first four years i was not um i was not earning a lot of money i tried businesses i was doing like side hustles and all that kind of stuff had a it repair business which was like cash to the hand stuff you know so i did all of those things to try and get by really so again it, it probably didn't happen around that time until i got the well-paying job and then it made more sense that Okay, I could pay stuff. I could probably get ahead of stuff sometimes. Um, yeah, so probably three to five years, mid mid to late twenties, I guess. 
And I think what you mentioned there with regards to, you know, you need to have money in order to be able to have the awareness. You know, it's it's very, very true that when you are caught up, you know, with financial struggles, that you actually the court the hormone cortisol is released. And when cortisol is released, fight or flight hormone, you yeah. are actually not able to become solution focused. You're not able to think of how can I get my myself out of this? Because cortisol blocks your ability to come up with a way of managing the situation that you are in. So the worst thing you can do is to continually drive that sense of panic, of feeling scared, of feeling the situation is hopeless, because all you're doing is constantly feeding your system, your nervous system with cortisol. The very best thing you can do is to find a way to calm your nervous system down, to give yourself that ability to go, okay, this is the situation I am in. What can I do to change that situation? And for different people, how they do it in terms of having an open conversation with a friend, reaching out and asking for support, educating yourself, whatever it might be, actually finding a way to reduce that cortisol is the only way to actually put yourself in a position to help yourself, basically. Yeah, and and I've and and it, it, that seems to happen subconsciously as well. You know, like I don't. I think for a lot of people, they're managing that that subconscious pressure that they're under, yeah, and not externally facing up to it. And 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 it's really funny because I um, not funny at all, really. But I, I remember there was a a teacher local to us who committed suicide. Um, jumped off this car park and and I was like, oh my God, this is horrific, this story that I had. And then as it came out, it turned out he was in financial difficulty and it was some it was something ridiculous, like six, ten thousand pounds, something like that. And I was thinking, oh my God, how can this person have committed suicide for such a small amount of money? But actually at that time when I had the, heard the story and made that it, it made that story up in my mind, um I could say that because I was running a business and we had like VAT bills that were like that every three months. Like this didn't seem like a lot of money. But I remember when um, my first daughter was born, I had a debt collector um, come to the house and we owed, it was a hundred pound council tax bill that the debt collector had turned into 600 pounds by, you know, levy in the car and all this kind of stuff and i had no idea that what he was doing was totally illegal i managed to get away with it because we paid the 600 pound but i remember being on the phone to my um, my wife's mum crying because i needed to get this 600 pound out to go to drive to a house take her to the bank and get the money so i could so i could pay the bill because in the car that we had which was worth 300 quid of course they would never have taken the car that was worth 300 quid now i know that now you know um, but it had the baby seat in it, the car seat in for the kids, you know, and and so like I think about what you've just said about cortisol and I think about how I emotionally felt at that time and how it feels for a lot of people. And, and I mean it particularly men, but but I'm not discounting how it feels for men, women. I'm just talking about it really from my perspective. But for a lot of proud, ego filled men that feel like they have to 
provide for their families, um, how that could just drive them over the edge, you know. And so I, I, I hear that and I really feel what you just said deeply because I, I wasn't aware that that was the case from a hormone level. Um, but I've definitely, th- thinking about it now, uh, I've got goosebumps because I can feel it in my yeah. in my in my memories of of those feelings, you know. Yeah. And for anybody that is listening, that is, you know, is feeling that sense at the moment of a struggle because of, you know, whatever's going on in the economy, whatever going on in their life. One way to calm the system down, which I think is relevant to mention now, is something I've only learned about in the last three or four months, polyvagal breathing. Polyvagal breathing, you breathe in um, for the count of five and you breathe out to the count of ten. And you do that five or six times or so, and you actually physically feel your nervous system calming down. And when your nervous system calms down, when the cortisol leaves your body, that is when you can actually think, okay, this is the situation I am in. And this doesn't just refer to money, this refers to anything that causes stress within your body because stress means production of cortisol. If you start to develop polyvagal breathing as a coping mechanism, that allows you then to create that space where you can go, this is the situation I am in. What can I do to create a solution, to generate how I can get myself out of this? That can only happen when you have calmed your nervous system down. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are understandably like you, Matt. You know, what you don't know, you you don't know. But when we are put under situations of deep stress, our body, going back to primitive times, you know, a hairy mammoth chasing after us, we don't have the time to go, okay, then, so uh, how do I work out how to run faster than this hairy mammoth? No, our body goes, shit, there's a big, scary mammoth there. I need to run. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and, you know, I so I got into financial difficulty during lockdown, actually. Um, we ended up um, homeschooling my daughter. And the, the long story short is we got to about, it was about 40 grand of credit card debt, which we don't have now. But we did get to, and it was at the point where when we were to do our GCSEs, we signed up for this college and it was going to cost us four grand for her GCSEs. She was being bullied. We didn't want, you know, didn't want to to go down that road. So we said, yes, we'll do it. And I remember paying for those across four, three or four credit cards. So it was like the last bit of money on each of the credit cards. I'm thinking, damn, what, what am I going to do here? Because we're in this debt. But But I knew at that time that there was a route to pay it back, you know, like it. So it was a huge amount of money, really. Um, but I knew there was a route that I had to pay it back. Whereas when I think about that £600 debt that I had, like I couldn't see how I was going to get that money. And and even how like I remember having to arrange to pay it off like over six or 12 months or something. Because so the point is that like the the actual amount is irrelevant like i still understand the pressure and even though i got that this this good job and lots of money coming in and stuff i still felt that pressure at lockdown to solve that problem and and um when you when you're hitting all the the limits of your credit cards if you have them even um that can feel very 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 tough but 
Uh, the other thing I'll say is what you just said about the breathing exercise. Like, again, five years ago, Leslie, if you'd have told me that, I'd have been like, what is this woman talking about? I'm never going to do anything like that. But all I can say to anybody that is sitting there with those same thoughts that I had is having gone through um, personal development and looked at breathing, looked at tapping, EFT, all these weird and wonderful yeah. things that I thought were woo-woo that made no difference, that were just these crazy women talking about this stuff. Um, some men do it, as well. It, yeah, yeah, some men as well. Yeah, yeah. but in my world at the time, when I went networking, it was never the men that was talking about it. It was always the women. Um, and now, obviously, I've, I've, my network is very different in that way. But um, but it really works. Like, it really works. Some of the stuff that I do now to calm my nervous system, some of the stuff that I do now to uh, get perspective, even things like journaling, some simple things like journaling, I don't do that a lot, but I've done it in the past and it's helped bring perspective to what I'm, you know, thinking about how I'm grateful for certain things, you know, um, all of that adds to the fact that if I look at Matt now or Matt 10 years ago, my stress levels are ridiculously low in comparison, whatever comes along, you know, uh, and we've had a lot of things come along in the last 10 years. So definitely if you've got that pessimistic view of, this woo-woo stuff it really does work and it's really worth putting the time into and now for a short break are you ready to embark on a transformative journey that'll help you unleash your full potential and break free from limiting beliefs about money discover the power of consistent daily action for setting the foundation for your financial transformation introducing the 30-day boost your money confidence experience, the start of your journey to mastering your relationship with money. Elevate your money confidence with daily emailed action prompts, each building on the previous day and emerge with transformed thoughts, feelings and actions around money. Click the link in the show notes for full details. Now back to the show. And I think as well, a lot of people, as you said, don't believe in certain things because they sound too woo-woo. You know, yeah. I'm not a spiritual person, therefore, why yeah, would yeah. I want to do that? But actually, when you look for the evidence that it has worked for other people, yeah. you then give yourself a choice. Do I believe they are not telling the truth about how it's benefited them? Or do I maybe question why I have the opinion I have? when I haven't actually tried that for myself. And what I love about you, and there's many things I love about you, but one thing in particular is you will put yourself in rooms where other men in particular will not put themselves. And very yeah. often that is rooms that are more traditionally full of women rather than full of men. Why do you do that? Um, well, I, I mean, obviously I've said men and women quite often throughout this because we're talking yeah. about the story of my experience, right? Yeah. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm really, and we've talked about this before as well, me and you, I'm not a, I don't think about men and women in the same way. I don't think we should segregate certain point people in based on gender or anything like that. Absolutely. Or sex, I, I should say. But, and I see the plate, I see there's reasons why you would do that in certain circumstances. So I could totally get that as well. Um, but I also think that, and I think because of that view, 
then I want to go into the places where I potentially could be excluded and say, why am I being excluded from this place? What what is it about this group of feel that don't, group of people that don't feel safe with a man in the room? What is it that I need to learn in order for to to help them feel so safe in the room with my presence? And so I'm really thankful and grateful that I have a lot of good people around me that allow me to go into those environments. Um, I mean, a lot of them we talked about, Leslie, and like they're not female only events, but they might seem heavily um, female based, maybe, but maybe it's the way they're marketed or whatever. But for me, I'm just like, okay, what can I learn here? What what is what is going to help me um, with the people that I work with? What's going to make help me with my life? What's going to help me as a better parent, as a partner? All of those things I'm constantly looking at because I have lots of baggage that I need to deal with myself. And how am I going to deal with that if I don't explore some of these things? So I think it's just about trying to understand more. And as you know, I'm sure most people my age will say, or with my experience will say, I should say, but there's loads, there's a long way to go, you know, like I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out. I still don't really know the answers to a lot of it, um, but I'm getting there. That, you know, be inspired that we both went to uh, was just fascinating um, for various reasons. But what, one of the best things I saw and one of the things I've, I've talked about my event with you, but one of the best things that Danny did at that event is she said right at the start to everybody, like this room is inclusive it doesn't matter what sex you are, religion you are, anything, all the things that you could be marginalised for. She just covered it all at the start and said, we are one group of people here and everybody needs to feel safe. And actually, I've been to 100 conferences, events, 100 plus, and I've never seen anybody make a space feel so safe and inclusive for everybody in the room as she did. And that's absolutely like one of the best lessons I learned from that event amongst others that that's how we could make it like that for everybody. That's yeah. how we could include everybody in something and and say, actually, when people do behave in a bad way at these kind of things, this is how we deal with them. Absolutely. And you've just given me goosebumps talking about that because I think to sum it up almost in terms of what Danny said, this is Danny Wallace for anyone listening at the Be Inspired event, you know, the one word that comes to mind is kindness yeah and i think if everybody was and i've i've talked about this kind of this desire um previously but if everybody was just five percent kinder imagine the cumulative effect that would have locally nationally internationally it would be on themselves as well and on themselves as well. Yeah. Because very often we know that people are unkind to others, not necessarily because of that other person. It's actually more a, ref- a reflection of how yeah. they are feeling about themselves. So if we start from a position of being 5% kinder to us, that ripple effect would be absolutely massive. And yeah. I am so here for everything that you said there because in that two-day event the spirit of generosity of kindness of support of collaboration of community you know I could go on and on and on because it started off by saying we're inclusive we are kind yeah absolutely and it's so lovely being reminded about that actually so so lovely 
Yeah. And, and the thing, the other thing about it is that I never felt judged then after that point. And, and I'm, you know, again, about being kind to yourself. I've been to some events before, largely like bro marketing events, and I just feel judged sometimes. And, and I think that makes the event feel worse as well. And so to be in a, a room where you don't feel like that, um, and I, it only occurred to me once we've been talking about it here, but but that was good. That was really self-empowering yeah. um, to be like that. So that's Absolutely. good. Absolutely. But, but, you know, bring it back to money, I, I, I think with the kindness stuff, like it is so hard. I, I just, I described even the situation recently during lockdown um, and my previous scenarios, like it's, it's so, uh, it, I describe it as claustrophobic. Like having financial issues can feel claustrophobic. And so you can push through, you can be kind, but this, the issues are still there. Yeah. And so that's, it's really, it's really important for you to deal with it face on and not just put your head in the sand because that it just has such a counterproductive. And, and like you say, if, if sub- subconsciously you're producing cortisol with it as well, like you're just going to be in a really tough spot. Exactly. Absolutely. But there's always a way out. Yeah. And you are not in a position to help yourself at that point in time. So the way to help yourself is to reach out, to reach out to somebody else, be that, you know, a close friend, a professional person, whoever it might be, because actually the act of reaching out starts to calm down your nervous system that starts to make you be able to be solution focused. And I think that is the really important thing is to recognize when you are in that situation, if you cannot think, how can I help myself to simply think, okay, I need to do the breathing, five in, 10 out, but actually reach out to somebody else because that in itself, that will help to start to regulate your nervous system. And when you can talk to somebody else, when you can share that problem, it le- it starts to lead to finding a solution because there is always a solution. You're just not able to necessarily see it in that moment. Yeah, I, I, and I would add to that that just be careful about who you're reaching out to because in my environment with my brothers and my mum, when I if I was to speak to those people about mm-hmm. it, I think we probably would. It's like confirmation bias, right? Like we would have probably said the same sort of answer. This is the solution. And it was a pretty bad solution. So there's plenty of places out on the internet, in the world, where you can get advice and support that will be good advice. Yeah, because the absolutely. last thing you want is for someone to say, oh, yeah, okay, just move house. They'll chase you. <laughs> you know, like that's, you don't want that advice. There's, there's better advice out there. And um, yeah, so I, I think just... If if the answer that you're getting doesn't feel right, ask again to somebody else until you find the right person that gives you a, an answer that, that feels like a good logical solution. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really good advice. So what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? What am I excited about? Well, I'm 40 a, a week today at the time of recording. So I'm excited about that because I'm going to, to Vegas. Birthday. And uh, thank you so much. Um, going on holiday. But I also have a video marketing conference that we're doing on May the 23rd next year, which I'm super excited about. We're going to bring some of the speakers from America. We're going to bring some of the best YouTubers and, and video marketing people in the UK together with some business owners. And we're going to have a great um, conference there. And, and I'm calling it 
a festival because I love festivals and it's called Tube Fest. So I'm trying to make it more like of a festival because a festival sounds more exciting than a conference. That's um, so true. That's what, that's what we're going with. So that's what I'm so excited about at the moment. And I think as well, people are still really, really enjoying the ability to get together in person. 100%. Yeah. And the 100%. energy from it is unbelievable. And seeing so many, you know, when, when we met at Be Inspired, and I think we spoke about this, I don't know how huggy I was prior to lockdown. I've never yeah. been anti-hugs, but actually I don't think I was necessarily a massive hugging person. But after lockdown, my God, I just love to hug everybody and anybody and be aware that not everybody, you know, wants to be hugged. But I think it is that there is still that sense, isn't there, that we were we were locked up for two yeah. years. And now we are absolutely loving that sense of connection and collaboration. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I mean, I, I was definitely a hugger before. Uh, I can't deny that. But um, yeah, I just just being able to sit down and have a beer with somebody or sit and you know talk about stuff that potentially your friends are not used to talking about or not that comfortable talking about. And it might be business related or personal or whatever. Like just being in a room where we're all there for this shared purpose and we can talk about marketing or whatever it is that you're there for, it, it's just great. Like I, I, I've i always said to my wife, I started going to conferences probably when I was about 25, something like that. I've always said I just love it for the dinners and the conversation. You just There's just nowhere else like it where you can really uh, get to grips with a particular topic, whatever that might be. Yeah, absolutely. And as you are rapidly moving towards a landmark birthday this yeah. question springs to mind so you are heading towards 40 so the last big landmark was our 18th 21st birthday or the first probably big landmark birthday what would yeah. nearly 40 year old matt say to 18 year old matt if he could oh god leslie where could i start <laughs> <laughs> where could i start um is this is this a sweary podcast can we don't worry it... we can have an explicit thing put on it that's okay. fine so yeah well i'd say to 18 year olds stop being a dickhead because <laughs> really when i was 18 i, I just felt uh like uh, uh, everything that i think about now as human beings about kindness and about what i've learned in the personal development world I think when I was 18, I was just against the world. And I know I've spoken to people about this and they say the same sort of thing, um, but just didn't really give a shit about anybody else. I just, and everything was against me. And as I've grown up and, you know, again, largely finance related, I think I just realized actually like taking personal responsibility and knowing that you are responsible for your actions and that other things just happen. They don't happen to you, and that you could, you've always got a choice about how you react to them. I think if I could, if I could have just learned that quicker, um, I think that would have made my twenties better. With that being said, I had a fantastic twenties, a fantastic thirties, and I wouldn't change them um, because I wouldn't be where I am now. But, but yeah, just wish, I just wish I could have understood that a little bit sooner about. I think personal responsibility in, and the world is not out to get Matt. Um, and if you feel like you're in that position now, listening to this, um, it's it's liberating to take personal responsibility 
for your own actions and the things that happen. And they just happen. They just happen. Like it, um, one of my friends, Susie, she says, she, um, and we used to do walk and talks on um, during lockdown, you know, we couldn't, couldn't walk with each other and she was far away anyway. Uh, but we chat and she said, Matt, you just don't know what's in someone else's cup. And I just love that idea because as an 18 year old, you don't really care about other people's cups. Uh, but now I'm always conscious of that. If someone's angry with me, upset with me or says something, sorry, let me let me backtrack. If someone's angry or upset, I know it's not because of me. I know they're angry or upset about something. And if they direct that towards me, then I just ask them if they're OK. And I think the difference is when I was 18, I'd have gone back at them and would have probably have had an argument or a fight or whatever it might have been. Whereas now I'm like, something's not right with this person. They're going through something. What is it I can say to help them? And I think that's where your point about if everyone was just a little bit more kind, um, you'd find that in a restaurant, you get served better when you ask the people. My daughter's started working in a cafe and she said, she's worked there three months. She said, do you know what she calls me, Matt? She says, Matt, listen. I've been working that place three months and it's the first time yesterday that someone asked me how I was. She said, and it felt amazing. And she's come home and told me about it. Like that's how important it is to the service industry, but any industry really where someone just asks if they're okay. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. No, I totally agree. And on along the same lines, what do you think 18 year old Matt would say to nearly 40 year old Matt? <laughs> you lucky sod <laughs> i mean that's what oh that's what he'd say and i'd also i'd also think um 18 year old matt would say thanks for putting in the effort and working hard um uh and doing the things that i didn't think i'd be able to do I didn't think i would travel the world i didn't think i'd start a business multiple businesses uh i never thought i'd earn 10 grand in a month for what other crazy months I've had, like none of those things were pos- even possible in my mind at 18. And I think, yeah, I just say thanks. Um, yeah, that's it really. I think he would say, well done, mate. You've done a great yeah, job. Maybe. maybe yeah. 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 That's actually brought tears to my eyes, you saying that. To say. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I got a little bit emotional then. I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to do this on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first time. And you are probably something like my 60th guest, something like that. It's the first time I've actually had tears in my eyes because I think I think sometimes that's really powerful to do when you have that realisation that the person you were is not the person you want to be, but you can, yeah. you, you know, you can look back and, and give advice, but also you can look forward from that position as an 18-year-old and and congratulate yourself on how far you've come yeah and and that happens all the time even five years ago i think about the person i was um five months ago uh, uh this uh, one thing that i've spent a lot of time complaining about stuff i felt in the last couple of years probably because of lockdown maybe i don't know but i felt like i've made a, a turned a corner a little bit and started to ask myself like what is it that, what is there to complain about like and maybe just focus on like the good stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm really hopeful about the next decade of stuff that's to come for me, um, and my family, and what we're going to achieve in the world together. Um, and um, yeah, we'll we'll just see, we'll just see. But I think just the personal growth is just so important more than anything else. 
Absolutely. No, absolutely. So how can people connect with you? Uh, so I am the self-proclaimed king of video. So you can find me at kingofvideo.co.uk. Uh, self-proclaimed because the domain name was available. So I took it and ran with it. Um, and uh, if you want to do any youtube stuff, then you can also go to links.kingofvideo.co.uk and there's some quick links on there to get you started. Uh, but thanks so much for this, Leslie. No. This is felt such a. I mean, I'm, I like talking, and I like talking about myself. Of course, I'm sure you know that. But this has been really strangely cathartic to go through uh, the history of um, my own financial stuff and get it out into the world. So I really appreciate you asking the questions and inviting me to the podcast. No, and I appreciate you coming on, being so honest, sharing your experience and. Anybody who, and I think everybody should reach out to you and connect with you. The details will be in the show notes. And just to say thank you very much, Matt, for your time. Thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And it's just been brilliant connecting with you. Thank you. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.